Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hello, dears. AMD, aka the Queen of Sexy, your hostess with the mostest, is here again to talk about things. So, I really enjoyed today's conversation with Sarah, aka Raging Fembot. I learned how to start being a witch. I learned that why getting triggered is not a choice. <laughs> And what else did I learn? I learned uh, a new word, which is psychometry, psychometry. Shit, I already fucked it up, but we're going to hear it again in the episode. So um, you will learn that big word with me as well. I'm going to have to listen to my own podcast to retain that information, but um we had an amazing time chatting with each other sarah is a a very interesting artist on instagram and uh, she does uh, most of her work is featuring sex workers and all of the amazing things that they are and do which is what this podcast is all about so i've been really enjoying meeting other sex workers who are sort of on the same mission in in that um you know telling stories of other sex workers and like just how fucking amazing all of you are out there just remember that if you're a sex worker and you're listening to this you're fucking amazing and you inspire me regularly okay this podcast makes me put on makeup and wash my hair so thank you for continuously inspiring me to show up even in the darkest of times. I love you all dearly. I'm very excited for you to meet Sarah and to uh, listen to what she's up to in her corner of the world. So without further ado, get to know Sarah, AKA Raging Fembot. Hi, I'm AMD, AKA the Queen of Sexy, in case y'all forgot. And we are here today with a very new and exciting episode with a very exciting guest, Raging Fembot, AKA Sarah. You've all seen this artwork on Instagram, and if you haven't, what have you been doing with your life? Before <laughs> we get into talking to Sarah, I just wanted to remind you, as you may have heard on a previous episode, we are now accepting donations to this podcast via PayPal, and that's because I would like to be commercial free, y'all. So if you're interested in donating to the podcast that you love so much, you can find us on paypal.me forward slash, yes, a stripper podcast. And also if you're a sponsor and want to collaborate with Yes, a Stripper Podcast, you have to qualify, which means you would be an ethical brand. What does that mean? You can Google it. If that sounds like you, please hit us up either in our DMs on Instagram at Yes, a Stripper Podcast, or you can email us at Yes, a Stripper Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to that PSA. Let's get right into talking to today's beautiful guest. Hello, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. I just, I'm such a huge fan of your artwork. So thank you for contributing to the community that way. My absolute pleasure. I'm so glad that you enjoy it. Yes, you've actually drawn a couple things of me. I have, yeah, a couple times. Yes. So I, I, the, the iconic photo of me standing on the bathtub, like, you know, like bathtubs have like a, an edge. Um, that was the first one you did. But the one that I noticed again today was that you wished me a happy anniversary on December 18th of 2019. It was very sweet. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, it was kind of a funny thing that I was doing at the time. For for listeners, I had lost half my foot on December 18th of 2018. And the following year, I called it my foot anniversary, and I went back to the scene of the accident. 
Um, so it was very kind of you to recognize that moment in my life. So I truly appreciate that. Thank you. You're so welcome. It's <laughs> a great story. I mean, maybe not a great story, but a great ending. <laughs> no, it is. It, the thing is, it is, it is a good story. Um, it's yeah, I, I don't, I don't look at it as a bad thing. I mean, it sucked, but it is a good story. So I can't wait to hear all of your stories. I have you listed here. Sarah is studying to be a therapist, a sex worker, an artist, and a witch. Yep, all yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> You're so many things. Um, so first, we'd just love to know, like, how are you doing? How are you doing in general? How's life? How are you feeling? Where are you at? Just kind of give us a little rundown about yourself. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm in a few different places in life right now. So like I mentioned, I just got home from work. Work for me is um, a counseling internship because I'm working on my master's degree. I'm a right. month away from graduation. Yeah, super exciting. Um, so three days a week, um, I work as a counseling intern where I provide three free therapy sessions uh, to clients those days of the week. So just finished that up for today. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When did you start so, that program? I started in September of 2019. Okay. So it's a two years, two year master's degree. Right. Right. And were you originally doing that in person and it switched to digital? Yeah, exactly. We were in person doing classes in person, all of that for the first seven months of our program. So from September until March, and then we left for March break and we never came back. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So, and then the rest of it has been online. Um, but I still go to my internship, my counseling internship in person, though I see a lot of my clients through Zoom meetings like this or over the phone and only a couple in person if they really need that. And what was that transition like? Did you find that to be more difficult to switch to digital or did it make things like, oh, this is cool. I get to be at home now. Um, so I'd say for classes, I think it made it a little bit, I'm going to say better and worse, better because it made it a lot more succinct. So it was not nearly as long of classes, which I appreciate. Um, but doing zoom classes is also not that fun <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was a difficult transition, I would say. Um, but in terms of working with clients, I've, I'm actually really grateful to be able to offer both video calls and phone calls and in-person sessions. It's a lot of good experience for me and it makes counseling a lot more accessible for people. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Um, I feel you. It's like staring at a computer all day long because then I'm like how am I supposed to fit in tv time if I'm exactly. <laughs> you know because I go from one screen to the next so yeah I mean I don't know about you but I like my tv time oh totally unplug. yeah yeah um so what what inspired you to be a therapist what because I see that you have pretty lofty dreams in the therapy realm which we'll get to so I'm curious like why therapy from sex worker to therapist, why? Yeah, so I, when I was like 16, I, I think my eyes were open to all the injustices in the world through just plain old teen bullying. Oh. <laughs> I was like, why are people mean to each other? I'm like, wait, why is anybody mean to each other? Wait, why does sexism exist? Wait, why does racism exist? And it just was this big thing and, yeah. um, at first, I thought I wanted to be a psychologist, so someone who was diagnosing and prescribing medication, because I thought that that was the most noble position in the helping field. Mm. Um, I then realized that I was a lot more passionate about the one-to-one -one, the talk therapy, that type of stuff, as opposed to diagnoses and medication and all of that. So yeah. I switched gears and, uh, and then got into the therapy stream. I did a little bit of behavior therapy and psychometry, which is psychological testing in Northern Ontario uh, for a while. And then I decided I wanted to do more of that talk therapy stuff. So I applied to a master's of counseling psychology and that's what I'm in the process of finishing now. Wow. Yeah. Psycho. What did you call it? Psychometry? 
Yeah. Psychometry is, yeah, psychological testing. So like intelligence tests and stuff like that. So an an IQ test would be considered psychometry? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Learning new words today. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, okay. So you did mention like medication in regards to therapy and like I... I don't want to speak unknowledgeably, but I can tell you for myself, that's it. Let me speak for myself. <laughs> um, I wouldn't want to take medication for depression or it would be like, I would have to be like on the edge of some crazy shit mm. to want to be medicated personally yeah. What what are your thoughts on that? And I do acknowledge that there are people that do need medication that I don't know enough about, so I'm not saying anything about that. But for myself mm-hmm. personally, I would try to avoid that as much as possible. What are your thoughts on that? For sure. I, I think I definitely have mixed feelings about it. I think a lot of people do definitely need medication to regulate some pretty some pretty intense chemical imbalances going on in the brain. But we def- we live in a world where it's a lot easier to pop a pill to numb the pain than it is to do the hard work. Mm -hmm. So Mm. therapy is, is really important for that. Mm -hmm. Um, A combination of the two can be really great, but medication on its own is not enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you said you have a month left. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. In one month I'm defending my thesis. (laughs) Okay, so I don't know what that means. Defending, I know what a thesis is, but what is defending for people like me who have know nothing about college? What does that mean? Yeah, so basically, I just I finished writing up this thesis and oh. submitted it a couple days ago. Oh. Um, it's going to an advisory board. They're all going to read it and they're going to come up with questions mm. um, about it. Mm. Like, are there any holes there? Are there any? unethical things going on in there is there something I didn't consider that type of stuff um, and then I present my thesis uh, via PowerPoint to this advisory committee um, and they ask me the questions that they've come up with and I answer them as best as I can and then based on the research I've done in those answers they will decide yes you can have your master's degree or no you can't have your master's degree okay it's kind of like mm-hmm. going to court for your thesis it's like basically yeah Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's called defending it. Yeah. Because you're like defending your baby, basically, against the questions that they have and the challenges that they have with it. Right, right. And I guess I kind Mm -hmm. of figured that, but I just want to, I just want to be sure. I know nothing about college. Nothing. I went to like a year and a half of community college. I don't even remember hardly any of it every single program is so different too so like the terms that I use can be completely different from the terms someone else would use so it's confusing okay are you gonna go for your PhD or your PsyD no no No. (laughs) I'm done (laughs) I'm done okay I'm done with school Yes. Oh my gosh. I couldn't imagine. Well, I'm so grateful that people, that some people do like school. So there's people like me who are like, what? Yeah. Um, so I noticed that you mentioned that you don't disclose or you haven't in the past. I don't know, maybe something's changed. Disclose to your own therapists that you're not a sex, that you're a sex worker. You don't tell them that. Are you still practicing mm-hmm. that mantra or are you opening up? Well, now I have a new therapist ah. and I have told her that. And okay. the only reason why I did is because when I applied to this agency to be matched up with the therapist, I said, I need someone who's sex worker friendly. Mm-hmm. And I like outwardly said that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reason why I hadn't in the past is just pure judgment of safety of whether it was okay to disclose to them. Hmm. And so many people, when you do disclose that you're a sex worker to a therapist, they're like safety, safety, safety. It's like, okay, yeah, safety is a part of it, but it's not the only thing. And that preoccupation with that safety piece was bothersome. Right. So you have opened up in the past to a therapist about your work and you just felt like, yeah, that they were not affirming. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. 
So what, what kind of a response did you get to that post? Did you find other people were opening up feeling similarly about that? Yeah, it was actually a bigger trend than I had thought where, mm. yeah, a lot of people, they'll tell their therapist pretty much every aspect about their lives, but they're leaving out this really big part of it out of fear of what might happen or how they might respond, um, that mm. they would be pressuring that person to leave sex work if that's not a goal of theirs. Right. Um, yeah. And then, and focusing too much on the safety aspect when that's, that's not the whole part of it. Right. So, I mean, you're going to school to be a therapist. Don't, is this topic covered in your academia? Like never, (laughs) never. Um, And that's why I made a point of giving a presentation during my program about how to be a good therapist for sex workers. And I put out like a questionnaire to my Instagram community saying, what would you want a therapist to know about sex work? And I included those answers in my my PowerPoint presentation and told a whole group of future therapists how to not (laughs) do therapy for sex workers. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. I... I hope that you did you have did you feel like you had a diverse group of voices in that survey? Like trans I think so. women people of color and like the the most marginalized, you think? Uh, I mean, maybe not. I don't think I got that many responses. Maybe if I had made like a post rather than a story, it could have reached more people. Um but again, I, I don't think very many people have disclosed their status as a sex worker to a therapist so they might not yeah. really have advice for a therapist because they've never had to have they've that interaction experienced it yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'm very curious about your work as you can tell I find this to be fascinating have you have you checked so one of your ideas is to have like a group of other sex worker friendly therapists to sort of like be able to be a resource for sex for the sex worker community. Did I read Mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you expand on that idea? Yeah, definitely. So one of my peers in my program is a fellow sex worker and she's a trans sex worker. So she and I would absolutely be working together and making a practice. And then I think our goal would be to find other therapists who are also sex workers. Mm -hmm. Um, to build a practice, basically a private practice together where we were, where we would offer some sliding scale services. Mm -hmm. So free to those who can't afford them, but full price to those who can. Have you checked out pineapple or looked into them or aware of what they do? I heard of them recently, actually, but I have not had a chance to look into it. Yeah. I would be curious to know what your take is on pineapple. Um, I haven't heard the greatest things yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. My understanding is that they work with individuals with BPD. Maybe I what is misunderstood BPD? that. Bipolar? Borderline personality. Oh. Borderline. Oh, mm-hmm. like only? Like they're... Hmm. Or, or they specialize oh, in working with people with borderline personality. Yeah. Okay. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just... Mm, you know, I the thing I worry about with larger businesses is that the organic like thoughtful ways of being start to get lost in the trenches of capitalism no matter how ethically things start i was just having this conversation with someone with a dear friend of mine the other day about how do we create our ethics and then maintain those ethics once you grow because capitalism just grabs its nasty little claws into everything. You feel me? I don't know that. Oh yeah. I don't know that there is any single business that could be ethical under capitalism. Not a single one. Ah, like, <laughs> it's true. How do we get out of this cycle that we're stuck in? Oh my God. A revolution. I know. I know. Yeah. That's my thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dang. Um, so, so since like, since the pandemic, you've sort of made new connections with people and, and other sex workers, like, what's that been like for you? Like, what sort of doors has that opened up for you? Or how, how has it helped, like, 
you grow as a person? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I think it's, I've had a lot of people reach out to me asking how they can be a professional in the community while also being a sex worker and, and the fears associated with being doxxed um, and or outed or not taken seriously as a professional because of their status as a sex worker or being worried about not being accepted into a program if they disclose that they're a sex worker. So I've been able to share a lot of information with aspiring mental health professionals about that dual relationship, which is really great. Yeah. Um, I've also gotten to see so much resilience in, in all of the people that I've met online. Um, but it's also been really devastating to watch all of these dear friends that I've made be deplatformed over and over again. And we're losing our communities and that's a true act of violence in my mind. So that that's hard. Oh, the erasure? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, because, you know, what we do on social media is an example of how we live real life. And so mm -hmm. if you start erasing us digitally, what do you think is going to happen IRL? Exactly. Yeah, it's just an example of how to deal with us. Um, and we're all being forced to be online. We have to, you know, and yeah. more civilians have turned to sex work this year than any other year in modern history, most likely. I don't know what I'm talking about technically, actually. Sometimes I do that. I say things that I don't have any evidence on. So I'm calling myself out right now. But I would love to see the study of the number of civilians who have turned to sex work in 2020 comparatively to modern history. Definitely. I would, I mean, I also don't know the research, but I would speculate the exact same thing. Right. Speculate. Yeah. Thank you. I am trying to be responsible with my words. <laughs> well, I mean, and sex work is just such an amazing vessel of opportunity for people because you don't need to be a documented immigrant. You don't need to have an education. You don't need to have a bank account necessarily or a proper ID or any of those things. Like the barriers to entry are fairly low compared right. to other jobs. Um, and, you know, the fact that they are trying to erase that position just speaks to the hatred that's held towards women, people with disabilities, uh, non-binary people, trans people, people with mental health issues, undocumented immigrants, all of those people have a lifeline in sex work and the government knows that. Yeah. They might not act like they know it, but they know it. It's not an accident. They know a lot of stuff. And fortunately, um, I myself have seen more and more politicians speaking out about decriminalizing sex work um, more so than I've ever, ever seen. I mean, the fact that the word sex work even enters their lips these days is like, oh, wow, you know, you're talking about it. Um, not to say that we're out of any sort of woods, but... Maybe? It's the first step. Yeah, the first step. Acknowledge our existence. Um, yep, yeah. <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> yeah. So something that you said um, about people are coming to you, you know, wanting to talk about having a sex work life and then having a prof a professional life, right? Like outside of sex work. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that that's a really interesting topic because even even now as a person myself who, you know, I've been a sex worker for close to 20 years. Um, I just am like straight up like, yo, I'm a hoe. Like I'm a stripper. <laughs> I'm a hoe. Like I don't, I don't hide it. And oftentimes it's the reason I don't get selected for things. Mm. Um, but I'm just like so out loud about it because I'm in a privileged position where I can be out loud about it. Um, but I just, I find myself in positions of getting rejected for programs mm -hmm. or, or what have you. And just right now I applied for a program that I'm not telling anybody about unless I get it. And I was like, sex work, sex work, sex work, sex work. And the whole thing. And I'm like, there's only two reasons why I might get denied for this program. I'm a sex worker and I'm an amputee because it's kind of a physical thing. So... 
yeah, I just don't give a fuck. I want them to know. So what do you tell people who, um, who don't have the same privilege that I do? Um, I mean, it's unfortunate, but the most practical advice I can give is to hide it until you get in and then be loud about it. Mm. Um, but, you know, my my colleague who is also a sex worker, she told them in her interview that she was a sex worker. And depending on the program, a lot of programs value diversity, but how much <laughs> do they really, you know, if they're not accepting sex workers, like where does your acceptance of diversity end? And it seems to be where sex work begins. Yeah. And the other thing too, is like on this current application that I wrote today, I wrote, I would be the first, and I put in parentheses, known sex worker, because y'all don't know who around you is or was a sex worker. It's like a hundred percent chance that there was at least one. Exactly. Exactly. So I also applied for this program, um, a different program, uh, like a year and a half ago, and I got denied because I was a sex worker. And I actually later got accepted because I argued the shit out of that rejection and took a stand for sex workers. Um, They told you that the reason was because you were a sex worker? That's bold. (laughs) mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then said, well, you can be accepted but you just can't talk about your work at all. And I was like, uh-uh, that's not gonna, no, no, no. That's not how this it's is. no from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah. If you can't hide it and then be loud about it. And then well, what happens if they get fired for that? Then what? Or kicked out well i i think a big part of it is is discerning safety who is it safe to disclose to Mm. you kind of got to put out some feelers a little bit of and see how do you feel about um like legalizing all drugs how or decriminalizing all drugs i should say Mm. and how do you feel about you know assisted suicide and all of these other radical (laughs) so-called concepts and if they are seemingly receptive to those things then maybe it's more likely that it's safe to disclose to them yeah about your job as a sex worker versus someone who is more on the conservative side yeah so okay god i have so many questions for you um (laughs) so you the way you talk about things like reminds me a lot of like my own sort of like the system is fucked conversations that i have with myself and with anyone who will listen but it sounded like it sounds like that those conversations for you with yourself or with whomever started early in your life. Was there Mm -hmm. like, um, besides, was it the bullying that happened to you that kind of triggered all of that? Or was there something else? Like, was there an influencer in your life or a book you read or like, you know, I want to know more about that journey about Mm -hmm. revolutionaries. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, the biggest one was, was yeah, bullying in high school and just not yeah. understanding the basis for it. And like, why are people treated with such inequality over nothing? Mm. And that just kind of put these pieces together of this is not just me. This is a lot of people and for a lot of different reasons. And it it just put me on this social justice warrior path that I've been on ever since. Yeah. So like what age was that for you? Uh, 15 or 16. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I don't know about you, but I can't unsee all of the shit that is going on. And the yeah. older I get and the more this pandemic goes on, um, it's really just exposed this underbelly. And I feel like 2020 was like a crazy dream that taught me a thousand lessons. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That we rely on the most underpaid, most exploited people to keep this broken system running and they're not valued at all, which is just absurd. Yeah, I read this article in the Washington Post about um, 
the aftermath of the Capitol riots. And I, I started crying because the author of that article acknowledged the janitors and the people who cleaned up the broken glass and the people who, mm-hmm. who, you know, were still working and bringing them their food while they were hiding from terrorists. And it was just like, it was just so moving because it really gave me an opportunity to imagine them and to like visualize yeah. them and their day and what that was like, because nobody's talking about them, but without them, so many things, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many people like that, the unspoken heroes of, of the machine, so to speak. <laughs> I had a similar um, discussion with my supervisor about the trauma that people can face in these roles that we don't often think about. So for example, like my specialty in counseling is domestic violence. And we talk a lot about the trauma that lawyers face, that judges face, that the victims themselves would face. But we don't talk about the people who transcribe the court records. Um, right. And they read the entire story and they have no resolution. They have no idea how it ends. And then they don't get any debrief. They don't get any counseling and they just live with these stories. Yeah. And I think a lot about people who are in similar situations of holding these really dark stories and then not knowing what to do with them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. We just need to burn it all down and start again from scratch. (laughs) Exactly. Why would you want to tinker with a system that's broken, build from the ground up? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, Except for that it's not broken. It's doing exactly what it's trying to do, which is oppress people. Oh, oh, it's working it optimally. <laughs> it's working yes. optimally for the people who designed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it will have its day, though. The system will. Well, if with people having conversations like this is so helpful, you know, and like and I think there's most people go through their day not really thinking about the things that you and I are talking about right now and the things that. I personally talk to sex workers about regularly. They're they're the most woke group of people I've ever met in my life. I the amount of education I received just by being next to sex workers is invaluable. Like you can't learn so what true. I from going to school. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's just it. Everything I've learned from this program has been in doing actual counseling in my internship, not from sitting in the classroom. Right, right. But yeah, you're right. These Most people don't have these conversations that we're having of what's going on in the underbelly and why life can be so unbearable sometimes. And it mm. that's honestly a, a thing that I love so much about counseling is being able to take so much of the onus off of the individual and say, you're not mad or crazy for feeling this way. This this is a system that is designed so well that you don't even know that it's happening. So like, for example, a woman who says, you know, I, everyone tells me I'm such a terrible mother and blah, blah, blah. But then I'll tell them, do you think that a father would hear those exact words? And that's the very first time they've ever thought about that. So bringing things like mother blaming, victim blaming, patriarchy, capitalism, all these things to light, I think is empowering for a lot of people to know that hey, you're doing amazing considering Mm -hmm. that you're living in a system that was designed to oppress you. And gaslight you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The gaslighting is atrocious. I saw this this post the other day and I I didn't read it very much because I'm I'm trying to avoid social media. Uh, it triggers me right now. Fair. <laughs> and, and and one of the posts that I the post that I saw was, um, getting triggered is not your fault. Something to that effect, mm-hmm. because I've been getting triggered, and every time I get triggered, I'm like, "What's wrong with you? It's you, not them. Don't blame this feeling on somebody else, even though that." thing that they're doing or saying is triggering me. And so then I'm being hard on myself in that moment for being triggered. And then this post Mm. was like, oh, it's, it's not your fault. Or no, no, no. Here's what they said. You can't control it. Or it's not a choice. That's what it is. You're being triggered is not a choice. 
What do you know about that? Absolutely. I mean, being triggered is part of hypervigilance, which is just where we are extra aware of the things that are going on in our environment. And the reason why that happens is because we're oppressed so often and we're used to discrimination so often that we're on high alert for it. And then the threshold at which we're triggered gets lower and lower and lower until, you know, you're, you're very jumpy and, Yeah. And like easily triggered, so to speak, but yeah, it's because it's because we've been exposed to these things over and over and over again. It actually changes your brain chemistry and your body mm-hmm. chemistry because mm-hmm. that fight or flight is being activated so often. So, much. so mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a symptom of being oppressed in mm-hmm. an, uh, the system that we've been yeah. assimilated into. Absolutely. And then the people who are saying you're too sensitive, you're being triggered too much. They have a position of power and they're not being discriminated against so often. They're not being oppressed so often. So they haven't developed this hypervigilance. So they have no idea what we're talking about and think that we're being oversensitive. Right. That would be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That would be a form of ableism. Would that be a form of ableism then? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, that's more likely to happen to to people with disabilities and, and people of color and people who who bump into these obstacles. Yeah. It's tiring. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so enlightening. I'm sure there's so many people out there that'll appreciate this right now because the majority of people I'm talking to right now are it's like you know, the longer this pandemic situation goes on, which who knows, it's like the harder it's getting for a lot of people, even though Absolutely. some places are like open, right? Not open like mm-hmm. we used to be, but yeah, even though it seems like it's getting better, I'm still noticing that it's getting harder yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I work recalling it COVID fatigue. Um. And that's exactly what it is. It's less patience, less hope, and and there's despair and hopelessness mm. of this never ending and yeah. of the anxiety continuing to go up and the depression continuing to go up. And it's really is a normal experience to a very abnormal event. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Um, so I want to talk about your art and you being a witch. And I don't know what order I want to do it in yet. But (laughs) I think I want to talk about your art and how, um, like, what inspires you to choose your subjects and, like, how all of this that we're talking about is intersectional with your art. Yeah, so a big part of who I choose to draw, who I choose to feature is, um, you know, the the less of a platform you have, the more I want to feature that person because people with oppressed and marginalized identities don't get to the spotlight and people call them the voiceless, but they don't, they have voices, but they're not being amplified like those of people with privilege and power. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, people uh, with disabilities, people of color, people, um, with mental illnesses and, and all of these different social locations is something that I'm really inspired by because in spite of all of these obstacles, y'all are heckin' resilient and it inspires me every day and it keeps me from going off the deep end, I think, is just seeing the power of women and of sex workers in the face of all of this adversity. Yeah. Makes me want to cry. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I do. Yeah, it's yeah. powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and another big part of my art is including the messages that sex workers want the civilians to know. So like my most recent one, pay me or leave, literally pay me or leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. One of my big ones is like just having drinks at the club is exploitation. I know. And it is. Big middle finger. I saw that one today. Yeah. Um, yeah I despise that. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. It is that like you're coming here to have a drink that you could get anywhere else. I've said this before. You can drink anywhere. 
go to a bar then. <laughs> go somewhere else and look yeah. at hot chicks on your phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Rude. More than rude. Super rude. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, just to be clear to everyone, your art is digital. You do, I, what I, do you have prints? Do you sell your art in print form? Yeah. So I'm, I do tons of different forms of artwork. So the main reason why I started Raging Fembot was because <laughs> I was drawing a picture on my pad of paper and my pen exploded all over it and ruined the drawing that I had worked hours on. Yeah. Like, no more, no more of this. I need an undo button. <laughs> so I got an iPad on sale and the pencil on sale and, uh, and just started. Yeah. And yeah, just seeing like where it started to where it's come. It's been a huge learning curve in digital art, but I've been doing art in all types of forms my entire life. Yeah. Um, so I really like watercolor and painting with acrylics and I uh, make stamps um, like lino stamps. So you carve into linoleum and then roll ink on it and then you use the stamp. I thought you meant postage stamps and I was like, can people do that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, I get it, but yeah, I get no, it. so these are like ones that you hand make these like physical stamps and you put them on paper. Um, and then, that. yeah, sewing. And um, I just bought some resin to try and do some resin art. And I'd like to try stained glass at some point. And I do sewing and embroidery and cross stitch and all that stuff. Do so. you make patches? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I just took pants from my grandma's closet because I'm going to make a style called grandma pants. And I have visions of putting patches on these pants. Nice. So I'm going to have to get some patches from you and make a pair of raging fembot grandma pants. That is the coolest thing I've ever Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so just I'm going to hit you up for some patches um, good. on that. Yeah, so in your art, I noticed that you draw a lot of third eyes. I what's do. Up, what's up with that? Um, first of all, I like the aesthetic of it. Mm -hmm. And also, and just the, it acknowledges the wisdom that sex workers have. And the fact that we're seeing a lot of stuff, like we mentioned, that other people are not seeing. We're looking at the underbelly of society. We're looking at the broken capitalist system that we're living under. Mm -hmm. We see it and we can't unsee it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a lot of a lot of that. And I really like seeing um, women and sex workers specifically as like these all-knowing alien goddesses <laughs> so I really like drawing them as aliens and as you know unhuman creatures to just show how amazing and beautiful and diverse we can be yeah awesome I love that and speaking of being diverse you are among all these other things that you do you're also a witch so like what's your level of witchery am I saying that right is that a word or witchcraft I guess witchcraft. okay um I would yeah. say that I'm a novice okay okay <laughs> I'm still a beginner I'm still okay. a beginner I would like to be able to incorporate more uh witch stuff into my life but I think a big reason why witchcraft appeals so much to sex workers specifically is because it provides a routine and a ritual and we don't have very many of those mm. as a sex worker you know mm. this um, money coming in and the not coming in and shifts being all over the place and last minute cancellations and all of this stuff, there's very little predictability. Mm. And so I think having a way to, to have some control over your life through tarot, through spells and crystals and aromas and all of these things, I think is a, a really cool way to connect with yourself and with your community. Mm. So how does one get started in witchcraft if they would be interested? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> there are no rules. I think okay. if I were to, to give anyone any advice about witchcraft, it's that there are no rules. And, you know, witchcraft is directly anti-capitalist. And mm. so, you know, people gatekeeping witchcraft, I think, is 
the exact opposite Mm. of what it represents. Mm. So if you want to start by just buying your favorite crystal and holding it and setting an intention for your day, that's witchcraft. Um, You know, lighting some incense and saying a mantra of like, I am worthy. I am strong. I'm here. I'm safe. That's witchcraft. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, Having a daily tarot card pull that's witchcraft. Like it can Mm. look like so many different things or um, making your own um, spice blends or having a bath with different oils and flowers and stuff in it. I think it's just such a ceremonial thing. And so Mm. it can look so different for so Mm. many different people. And that's why it's so cool to me. Okay. Well, I already have the ultimate starter kit, which is two black cats. So Perfect. You're well on your way. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm I'm very inspired now to uh, start witchcraft. I've never really thought about it until right now. I'm being completely honest. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. And I'm noticing like if I'm talking in like a really loud and aggressive voice because I'm so excited and <laughs> I tend to do that. I'm like, yes, this is witchcraft. This yeah. is witchcraft. This yeah. is just me being like pumped up about your question. I love that. Yeah, I love it. I'm I'm glad that you're pumped up about it. Um, yeah, I'm learning so much from you. Thank you so much for all of this. Shoot. Thank you. Wanna be fabulous just like these strippers? Pay attention. It's stripper tips. Um, so I would say that my stripper tip or sex worker tip would be to engage in self-care. And that sounds really simple and base level, but it can look like so many things. I think when people think of self-care, they think of a bubble bath or like watching a movie or like getting in a nice blanket. And that can totally be it for some people, but self-care is also setting boundaries, Mm -hmm. saying no to people, um, making your schedule the way you want it, Um, not giving attention to the trolls, deleting a DM that upsets you without having to respond to it or feeling the need to respond to it, all those types of things. Because I think with with sex workers and strippers specifically, where our boundaries are pushed all the time. And there's this narrative in society that sex workers will do anything for money. And that's not true, obviously. We all have our different boundaries. And yeah really making that known to people, I think is really important. Yeah. Um, and then for me, self-care is connecting with my fellow sex workers through art and music. And I would say that's like my other, my other tip is to make art and music in whatever way that looks like, like yeah. playing the pots and pans as drums or yeah. dancing around in your home by yourself or um, doing tarot card readings with fellow sex workers. Like it can look like so many different things, but just engaging in art and music with your community, I think is just so important, especially as we're isolated through this pandemic and through all of these terrible things that we hear in the news, it can be really just feel comfortable to try and isolate yourself, but trying to connect, um, even if it's in a small way, like through text messaging or a little video chat or whatever it is, can restore that power because sex workers are so powerful. And I know. We need to preserve that power. Get ready for our rapid fire question round. It's time for four for one. Question number one. Who's your favorite witch? Who's my favorite witch? Uh, I'm going to say Lizzo, actually. She might not even know that she's a witch, but I think she is. Okay. (laughs) I was going to say, that was my next question. Is she a witch? But I hear you. I consider anyone who goes against the mainstream, Mm. who is confident in themselves and in their bodies and outspoken, I think that's a witch. I love that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Have you ever laid down on the floor of a Starbucks and counted to 20 just to see what happens? No. (laughs) (laughs) I have not, but I want to. (laughs) It's fun. I have. Okay. Do you think cats can be trained? And if so, what would you like to train your cat to do? I think that cats can be trained. And if I could train my cat to do something, I would like them to stop scratching at my door at night. (laughs) 
You lock them out of your bedroom at night to sleep? Mm-hmm. Wow. That would not go over well in my home. That would. Otherwise, they're just all over the bed and I feel like I can't move around as I need to. So I just kick them out. I'm sorry, Sarah, but in case you forgot, it's their bed and you're allowed to sleep on it sometimes. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably pretty mad at me for that. Last question. Tell us about at least one thing on your bucket list. To finish this damn program. (laughs) That is the main thing on my bucket list. Great. There were times where I thought I would not finish, but I'm a month away and I'm determined. I'm going to finish it. (laughs) You are. It's only four more weeks. You've got this. And you're going to let us all know when you finished it, right? And post about it on Instagram. Yes. Absolutely. And right away, I'll be opening a practice sliding scale. I'll make an Instagram page. If people want sex worker friendly therapy, I'm here. I love it. So quick PSA break before we let Sarah tell us about everything, all the places of where we can find her. If you are interested in donating to Yes, a Stripper podcast, you can find us at paypal.me forward slash Yes, a Stripper podcast. The money from your donations goes towards paying guests to be here with us because the majority of our guests are out of work due to a pandemic closing all of their places of business. So one more time, that's paypal.me forward slash yes, a stripper podcast. So Sarah, tell us and everyone else where we can find you, what you're up to, where can we follow you, all the things. Yeah, so my main place is my Instagram, Raging Fembot. Um, if you want any of my merch, my tarot deck, my coloring book, clothes, prints, anything like that, ragingfembot.com. Um, I also have a Twitter. I'm not super active on there right now, but I'm trying to make a switch over considering the bullshit that happens on mm. Instagram. I mean, mm-hmm. there's shit on Twitter too, but yeah. Uh, Twitter, it's again, ragingfembot. Okay. Those are my three places. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And I. My pleasure. Oh, yeah. I've just had so much fun getting to know you better. And I just know everybody else will too. So, because um, we're so used, accustomed to seeing your art, it was, it was really fun getting to know the person behind all of your beautiful art. So, hoping thank to you help. Thank you so get, much. You're welcome. Yeah. And I want to help get you some more followers from posting about this episode um, because I know you're shadow banned like so many of us. So yeah, yeah, let's help out in that area. Thank you so much to Sarah. And thank you so much to everybody else for tuning in and joining us again for Yes, a Stripper podcast. See you next time. Bye. Hey, guys, I just want to remind you to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Yes, a Stripper podcast. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube at Yes, a Stripper Podcast. And of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Yes, a Stripper Pod. Yes, a Stripper Podcast is produced by Mackenzie Mazel, Shelly Snyder, and yours truly, A.M. Davies. Be sure to email any questions or comments to Yes, a Stripper Podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at the queen of sexy. You can also check me out on my website, thequeenofsexy.com.